0: Howdy, Hootah Thunkers. This is the host of the Hootah Thunked podcast, Zeb, coming at you with episode 116, um, titled The French Foreign Legion. And we'll get into the Legion in just a bit. But first, I want to do the recommendation segment, as I've been known to do. This week, I recommend you watch Top Gun Maverick in theaters. It is an old Hollywood curse that a sequel is seldom better than the original. Films like Terminator 2, The Dark Knight, The Empire Strikes Back... Spider-Man 2, Godfather Part 2, and Aliens are typically some of the films that are seen as the exception to that curse. I think Top Gun Maverick is going to blow all of those sequels out of the water. I also think it might be the last truly great Hollywood blockbuster film. Uh, The first Top Gun was okay. Um, I loved it as a kid, tried to rewatch it as an adult, and I was like, I don't care about some of this stuff. I sp- it, it spent too much time on romance that I really didn't care about. And if the original cut out all the romance and just focused on the cool aircraft and their pilots, it would have been a much... Uh, I would have been much happier. It would have been a much better movie. That is precisely what Top Gun Maverick did. Not only that, they improved on it. They did have some drama in between the pilots and what's going on, but it, was, it felt more meaningful because of the first one. Top Gun Maverick probably wouldn't have been as cool without the original, without seeing the original, but you don't need to see the original to enjoy it. I walked out of the theater pumped as hell. I was so excited. From the opening scene, which was so cool I won't ruin anything, absolutely no spoilers here, uh, just the opening scene just got me so hyped, and from that to the the rolling of the final credits, I was on the edge of my seat. Do yourself a favor and see this remarkable movie in theaters before it is too late. If you, I cannot imagine it would have nearly the same impact watching it in your living room. Um, I went to go see it at the Tull Family Theater in Swickley, Pennsylvania. It's a theater that's, I guess, is owned by the public. No single person owns it. Um, it's run by a group of people, um, and it's kept open by donations. The tickets are like twelve bucks, which is a little bit higher than most movie theaters, but you're giving right back to the community. You're not giving to a big corporation and you can, can, it's BYOB. I think you pay $10 to bring your own bottle of wine, which is kind of like, why am I paying money to drink my own wine? But if you ever want to watch, you know, watch a movie and drink wine, it's pretty cool. So that was a fun theater, but the movie was, was awesome. It was the first movie I saw in that theater. And my goodness, what they're saying, it's everything they're saying about it and more. It's so good. Tom Cruise, no matter how you feel about his personal life whatever i've had some of my friends like oh tom cruise is, is a weird guy whatever he's a great movie star he puts so much effort into it um, so check it out now for the main event created in 1831 to allow foreign nationals to strengthen the french army the french foreign legion has become the world's premier mercenary corps the legion is comprised of some badass fellows, but So are a lot of other military units around the world. The reason why the French Foreign Legion is unique, the reason I decided to do a podcast episode on them, is how they recruit and the very unique way that they go about staying afloat. Uh, Their unique recruitment process is open to foreign recruits willing to serve in the French armed forces. The Legion is today known as uh, a unit whose training focuses on traditional military skills on its strong esprit de corps corps. Um, that means you know it's a feeling of pride fellowship and common loyalty as its men come from different countries with different cultures consequently training is often described as not only physically challenging but also very stressful psychologically and academically you have to learn french as well originally legionnaires were exclusively made up of foreign volunteers but now french citizens can join the french foreign legion french citizens French citizenship may be applied for um, after three years of service. Any soldier who is wounded during a battle for France can immediately apply to be a French citizen under a provision known as Francais par le sang vers. Uh, that means French by spilled blood. So you, you spill your blood for, for France. And you can be a citizen. The chance at citizenship is one of the greatest alluring qualities of the Legion. Other than being wounded, a Legionnaire is eligible for French citizen after three years, like I said. So a lot of people are like, ooh, I can become a citizen of a prominent European country. Sign me up. Uh, Me in America, not really that alluring to me. But I'm sure some people in countries that aren't so fortunate um, might find that appealing now another bonus to becoming a legionnaire is the chance to have one's record wiped clean the legion goes to great lengths to keep all recruits history sealed but all recruits are subjected to a harsh interrogation today that is so that the legion can determine their motivation for joining the french foreign legion Uh, while major crimes such as murder sexual assault and treason are not welcome in the legion minor crimes are preferred sounds odd uh, but it explains here the legion likes it when a recruit is willing to turn his back on their former life and a past life of crime uh makes that more like likely so if you if you have petty crimes theft or something like that you're more likely to say no i don't need to go back to my old country they're going to throw me in jail i'm going to come here um i watched a couple youtube videos uh minor documentaries where guys illegally crossed like multiple borders got to france where they probably should have been deported but the french foreign legion's like nope we like him. He's staying. He's one of us. And nobody could do anything about it. It's kind of crazy that a military force does that. Um, so that is the case nowadays when it comes to the the, the crimes. They don't allow murder, murder and rape and stuff and treason. In. Uh, but um when the legion was first started it was a little different around around the time of its inception in like i said 1831 it was comprised exclusively of foreign soldiers led by french officers and had a reputation of being a tough as nails assortment of scoundrels and degenerates um you ever see the movie the dirty dozen it's sort of the same concept as the suicide squad you get people from prison They they're in the military, but these guys wanted to They they voluntarily signed up. The lack of any background checks on incoming recruits back then meant that the Legion was largely comprised of criminals, mercenary thugs and various assorted evildoers escaping their homeland for one dubious reason or another. And sorry, that was my dog shaking his collar. <laughs> According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, it was around the turn of the 20th century, 1895 to 1905, that the Legion's reputation of a band of romantic misfits began to seize the public imagination. So this is why they have such a reputation these days. I never heard of them, but apparently a lot of people have. So around the turn of the 20th century... Um, the band of romantic misfits began to seize the public imagination, stimulated by the Anonymat. Um, it's the recruitment of to enlist under an assumed name, Anonymity. Uh, their anonymity allowed Legionnaires to invent fantastic pasts or to imagine that... Um, Many of the men with whom they served were romantic or tragic figures, like kings that have lost their thrones, bishops that have misplaced their mitres, or generals who lost their stars. Um, So that was pretty cool. And I'm sure there were a few of them, but, you know, people's imaginations got ahead of them. So they had this crazy reputation that everyone in there is some kind of, you know... Man, one man, alone, betrayed by the country he loves, now fighting for the French foreign legion. Some kind of, you know, that's, that's what was going on. As uh, Aristide Morelli, a 20th century legion officer later put it, the possibility of a fresh start in life, a clean slate in an environment of manly hardships and challenges, gripped the thoughts of many. German propaganda, which depicted the legion as a band of criminals commanded by sadistic NCOs, NCO standing for non-commissioned officers, into which the naive and innocent were lured, fanned the image. So Germans try to paint the, the French foreign legion as like bad dudes. They're awful. They're scoundrels. They're, they're criminals. And they're, they're NCOs. The people commanding them, they're, they're even worse. Um, and But that, that made their reputation grow even more, um, as did literary works like the Under Two, Under Two Flags of 1867 and the English novelist Huida, uh, kicked off a series of novels and stories about the Legion that peaked with uh, Percival, Christopher, Wren's Beau Jest in 1924. So lots of books been read about them, a lot of rumors been spread, um, and they do have quite the reputation. If you're like me, you haven't heard about them until you stumbled across a YouTube video. Um, that's why I thought it'd be a great episode because I was like, "What is this? How have I never heard of this before?" And it is truly unique. You join the French Foreign Legion. Go on YouTube and watch it. It's like an hour-long documentary. Just think of it as you're watching a short, a short movie. Um, amazing. There's these guys. They all have different hairstyles. They're interrogated. They're asked like, "Why are you joining us? What you know, love affair, whatever." And the guys are like, "No, I just need to get away from my family, or I wanted to flee from my country. as a refugee, and I didn't want to become a poor person, so I want to be in the French Foreign Legion. All this stuff." And they come there they get new names their parents are given new names it's crazy they take recruits between the age of 17 and 40 of any nationality when a recruit joins the french foreign legion they join under a new name and new identity the legion even creates a fake name for the recruit's parents Only after one year of service can a legionnaire request to serve under their birth name. Um, But from what I've heard, a lot don't. One might even think of the French Foreign Legion as a refugee program, uh, where the admission process is insanely difficult and requires military service. (laughs) So not really a refugee program, but kind of, and it does happen that way sometimes. The the ethnicity of recruits does sway heavily based on political atmosphere of the world, especially of Europe. Uh, Like, for example, Russia's war with Ukraine probably caused an uptick in Ukrainian applications being sent to the Legion. But the Legion does try to have a diverse mix of nationalities, not just one of this or one of that. Europeans make up most of the Legion's members, but not all. Uh, A couple of the documentaries I watched, there was guys from Brazil, all over the world. Um, But like I said, Europeans make up most of their members. There are quite a lot of French legionnaires as well. Uh, which would be surprising to a lot of people. The people who benefit the most are foreigners, but um, they stand to benefit the most But becoming a legionnaire. Uh, But Frenchmen join to be a part of an elite fighting force or to get away from their criminal past. So if you're a criminal and you're French, it's it's a good deal. Or if you are just a born soldier, a born fighter, and you're like, I'm not seeing enough action, gonna go there. My little brother's the one that told me to do the podcast. I'd heard of the French Foreign Legion before, but he's the one who watched some YouTube video about a... um, United States Marine Corps, or Marine, who was like, I'm over here in the U.S. They're stationed me places. I'm just sort of cleaning latrines, not really, not really getting into fighting. So he got out of the Marines, honorable discharge. Went to the French Foreign Legion. They asked him why he joined. He told him exactly why. He said, "There's not enough killing in my U.S. military career." So he was went got in the French Foreign Legion, got through, and after five years, they're like, "Do you want to stay on, or do you want to?" you want to go back home he's like no nah, i think i'm done went back to the u.s so crazy story i didn't find that video jake but thank you for suggesting it And i like the story that you told me so that that's one story out of many why people join the, the french foreign legion once a recruit is selected um they have to go through like i think it's a couple weeks uh they have they pass the interrogation and physical test they say how fast can you run a mile um, they ask, why are you joining? You know, did you murder somebody whatever? Um, but once they pass that selection process, they sign a five-year contract with the Legion. They are sent to basic training, which includes courses that teach all Legionnaires to be fluent in the French language, as, of course, it's basic training. Lots of running, lots of yelling, lots of psychological stuff. Uh, but apparently the Legion's method of teaching French um, the language is eye-openingly effective because <laughs> they can use all sorts of motivation quote unquote, to get the recruit to learn fast. Think about it. You're in the military and that military needs to teach you a language. They need to teach almost all of their recruits a new language. And these are typically seen as degenerates, criminals, people who probably aren't the smartest to begin with. So how are they going to teach them? Well, of course, there is some sitting down in the classroom learning French, but there's also, from what I saw, quite a lot of throwing a book at their head and saying, no, it's this word. And like, okay, you don't like that? Run two more miles, you piece of crap. Give me 200 hundred push-ups, you piece of crap. Like, okay, just getting people to learn French. Uh, So there's that. Once they finish basic, they are permitted to wear the famous kepi blanc. Uh, That's the white kepi. The kepi is easily noticeable and is a symbol of the Legion's spirit. What is it? It's a hat. It kind of looks like just a white cylinder. It's maybe five inches tall off their head. It looks kind of weird to me. Um, But then when you see them in big droves, it's like, oh, that is kind of cool looking. The kepi is easily noticeable. Like I said, it's a symbol of Legion spirit. It is uh, somewhat sacred within the Legion. Recruits that have not made it through basic training um, are given kepis to see if, you know, what size fits them. But they're not permitted to touch the kepi. They have to wear, like, gloves or put on, like, plastic bags over their hands uh, just to touch the thing. So it is sacred. The Kepi's status as a symbol is expressed even further when considering the Legion wears great green berets into battle. So this white Kepi is now strictly symbolic. It's not practical, um, and it does stick out. Anything other than Arctic warfare where everything's made out of snow, I could see that it would be terrible. (laughs) You just get picked off because it stands out in the in a field now after basic training the legionnaires are selected for a variety of posts i'll go over some of them here some are sent to the second foreign parachute regiment in quas quas i'm uh i'm i don't know all these because it's not just french stuff it's like african and all different kind of pronunciation but anyway (laughs) second foreign parachute regiment um There, they undergo paratroop training in the French Airborne School, which is pretty cool. They're, like, pretty elite. Others are sent to the 2nd Foreign Infantry Regiment in Nîmes, and the 2nd Foreign Infantry Regiment go to French Guiana. Sorry, that's the 3rd Foreign Infantry Regiment um, out in the, the jungle there. The 13th Demi Brigade are sent to Djibouti. I know that one. The 1st Foreign Cavalry Regiment are stationed at Orange in France and the first and second foreign engineer regiments are based out of Laudun and saint Cristol, respectively so what they end up doing after they get out of training paratroopers infantry um the demi brigade which is um, artillery they can also do uh, cavalry and engineering so those are the Those are the main things of what the French Foreign Legion do. Then there is the small French Foreign Legion detachment on the island of Mayotte, um, which is a very small detachment, but it still exists and mentionable. Now, um, a legionnaire may become a corporal after two years of service. A corporal with three years service may become a sergeant, the lowest NCO rank, and higher NCO rank is reserved for the re-enlisted legionnaire. So after their five-year contract, they're like, yeah, I want to stay on. Approximately one-tenth of the officers are former non-commissioned officers. And although legionnaires may be of any nationality, all legion officers are French-born or naturalized citizens. Uh, many the elite of the Saint-Cyr, the French military academy uh, at Coquidin. Coquidin. Anyway, so that's sort of how their structure is broken up. The legion headquarters is in alban France a suburb of Marseille. Uh, this is where the recruits are sent and selected. Aban is also where the Legion's archives and museum can be found and where their magazine, Cape Blanc, that's the name of the magazine, has been published since 1947. On April 30th, the anniversary of the Legion's Battle of Camarón, Mexico, in 1863 legionnaires stationed all around the world celebrate the death of about 65 legionnaires who were severely outnumbered by Mexican forces we'll get into that in a bit when a legion when a legion has a designated burial ground oh the legion has a designated burial ground and a retirement home um just for their men so they take care of their people which i love uh let's see that would be a typo there (laughs) let me just fix that real quick on mike (laughs) now so that's what the French Foreign Legion is. They're unique. Today, they're still seen as total badasses. They still do recruit criminals from all nationalities, whether they're elite, they're legally or illegally. So it's still made up of a very unique thing and very old thing that probably, if someone said today, hey, let's start a military group where we can just recruit people that are basically all criminals from all nationalities. They have no real reason to be loyal to us, but we're gonna train them to be loyal to us everyone would be like you're crazy we're not doing that but this has been around since the early 1800s so pretty cool now i'm going to talk about today to, to brush things up here it's, it's a bit long but we're going to talk about their biggest battle that that one of cameron mexico the battle of cameron under the command of Capitaine jean danjou uh danjou. uh it was 1863 and the napoleon third emperor of france was mucking up uh, world politics like he was born for it and in his con and you might have heard of napoleon anyway in his conquest he began to mess with mexico of all places i don't know why mexico the french army was besieging puebla mexico but things weren't panning out for them they needed some help so the french command ordered the third company of the french foreign legion to bring three million francs And a hundred pounds, like not just a hundred, hundreds of pounds of ammo to resupply the besieging forces. So that was their job. At that time, they were pretty much laborers. Uh, They weren't really fighting forces. They were like, you know, convoys, stuff like that. They were never on the front lines The French Foreign Legion. Uh, They weren't respected yet. The problem was that these Frenchies weren't acclimated to the Mexican environment. And half of the French Foreign Legion was struck with dysentery. That's severe diarrhea. Like back then it was fatal. Um... (laughs) <laughs> which I find, I love our modern medicine because back then, oh, you have diarrhea? You might die. <laughs> Out of half of the company that was suffering from dysentery were all of the third company's officers. So despite these obstacles, third company managed to get about 62 men marching and ready to go. But with no officers, someone had to lead them. Um, the Foreign Legion's regimental quartermaster, Capit- Capitan Jean D'Angiot, uh, volunteered to personally command the mission and he brought two other officers with him jean Danjou uh, was a tough son of a bitch he had to be if he was going to lead the 62 scoundrels across mexico now these were straight murderers any kind of criminal could get in at the time if they've passed through training so these weren't just thieves these were murderers rapists the, the worst of the worst like i said like the dirty dozen if you've never seen it go check it out so Capitan Jean had he had fought in many combat operations like Algiers, the Austro-Sardinian War, the Crimean War. So he's fought uh, Krauts. He's fought um, in Africa. He's fought Russians and he's faced combat in Morocco. Throughout this, his career, Dan Joe had his left hand blown off and he replaced it with a wooden prosthetic, uh, which is legendary, which he used to either discipline his men or play practical jokes on his superiors, which I think was Pretty cool detail. The 62 men and three volunteer officers left on April 30th. Uh, like we said, that was their, their uh, holiday. Now, they marched for 15 miles, and when they stopped at Palo Verde to rest, um, things didn't go so well. They didn't get really to rest. Not long after they stopped, they heard a Mexican cavalry unit headed their way. Danjo ordered his men to fix bayonets, make a square formation, and prepare to fight for their lives. From one of my favorite blogs, Badass of the Week, Ben Thompson, he writes this. This is a direct quote from his his blog. Go check it out. Badass of the Week. Really cool the way he writes about history. He writes, the Legion began a fighting withdrawal back to the nearby town of Cameron, uh, repulsing three separate cavalry charges while sustaining minimal casualties to themselves. When they reach Cameron, they hold up in an inn, like a motel, in the middle of the town, which was protected by a 10-foot-high wall and was surrounded by a tight courtyard that would make it difficult for any sort of cavalry maneuvers. Little did Danjo know, he was facing more than just cavalry. Uh, his 60 men, 65 men, were going to make their last stand against an onslaught of three Mexican infantry battalions and one cavalry battalion, comprised of a total of 1,200 men and 800 cavalry. So just 65 dudes against all those people, and he didn't know that, Danjo. He's like, we're gonna help hold up in the end, maybe we'll be okay. Still, from Ben Thompson's Badass of the Week. Sixty men stood in extreme heat without any sort of food or water, battling it out against a force of two thousand enemy soldiers. The legionnaires hadn't had anything to eat or drink in over twenty-four hours. They were exhausted from marching, and they were in hopeless in a hopeless situation. But like true badasses, they stood their ground and fought with everything they had—guns, knives, bayonets, elbow strikes to the groin, you name it. Danjo ran up and down the line, encouraging his men, firing his pistol into the endless horde of Mexican infantrymen, and uh, who continually hurled themselves at the inn. Legionnaires fell to the earth, dead and wounded. Ammunition ran low. The inn caught fire. But through it all, Danjo shouted over the flames, "'The Legion dies. It does not surrender.'" So I love that. Thank you, Ben Thomas, for letting me borrow that. Not that I asked permission. Towards the end of the fighting, Captain Capitán Danjo was hit in the chest by an enemy sniper. Seeing their fearless leader dead didn't cause the remaining Legionnaires to surrender. No, they rallied and fought even more ferociously. After 11 hours of fighting, uh, there were only five Legionnaires left standing. The level of exhaustion they were experiencing was unfathomable, and they were having trouble standing. The five men were completely out of ammunition. Remember, I find that fact insane. Out of ammunition, they were literally a transport on a transport mission to resupply an entire army. They had hundreds of pounds of ammo and they had used it all. So that's nuts. They looked over at the bodies of their fellow legionnaires and that of their capitaine. His last words echoed in their minds. The legion dies, it does not surrender. The five remaining legionnaires fixed bayonets charged out from the protective 10-foot wall of the now-burning inn, and forged head-on into an overwhelming force of enemies. Three legionnaires died from gunfire right away, and the remaining two were bludgeoned by rifle butts. Just before the two remaining men were killed, the Mexican general Francisco Milan ordered his men to pull back. He approached the two legionnaires and demanded their surrender. The two exhausted, starving, burned, and beaten legionnaires looked General Francisco Milan in the eye and demanded their immediate safe passage home with their wounded, fallen captain, weapons, and their regiment flag. General Milan's response was, quote, What can I do with such men? No, these are not men, these are devils. Then he granted their request, and the Legion withdrew. That is legend-building shit right there. <laughs> and it's true, well-documented on both sides. Um, to this day, whenever the Mexican army marches past the monument that was erected at the spot of the battle, they present arms as a sign of respect to the brave men that faced them that day. The word Cameron now appears on the regimental flag of the legion and in France and throughout the foreign legion every April 30th is known as Cameron Day where the wooden prosthetic hand of Je- Capitaine Jean d'Anjo is brought out and paraded around the French citizens celebrate the man. Whichever legionnaire is picked to uh, carry around Capitaine Jean d'Anjo's a wooden prosthetic is a great honor. So, yeah, they carry around this guy's prosthetic hands. Pretty cool. The end numbers here on uh, Wikipedia say that the Mexican forces in that battle were about 3,300 to 65, and there were 109, 190 killed and 300 wounded Mexicans, whereas the French had only 43 killed, 17 wounded, and two captured. The story of the Legion's third company at the Battle of Cameron is one of many. Their history is full of stories that show how the Legion went from the unwanted stepchild of the French army, only designated to labor tasks and transportation, never really fighting, to the, adopted, the honored adopted son of the French military having a balls-out and committed reputation that they hold today. Members of the prestigious military units around the world have joined the French Foreign Legion in hope of finding glory, uh, that they weren't getting in their own countries, like I said about that American.
1: While the world has
0: become more peaceful overall, uh, a lot less wars than there used to be. though it's hard to believe we hear about them a lot more, but there are far less wars than there used to be. Uh, since the Legion's conception, the French military always seems to find a place to send the Legion. I have a full list of their military history of the French Foreign Legion. It starts in 1831 all the way to present day, and there's are still certain encounters they're still doing today it's 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 insane there's hardly any gaps when you look at the legions past you see that there are hardly any gaps in between wars and combat the legion has been fighting since its inception in 1831 they are crazy they're balls out they're awesome um you know what they say no rest for the wicked. I recommend you look up the French Foreign Legion on YouTube, as there are some good quality documentaries you can watch for free, uh, as I did for this podcast as research. And I also looked up the Encyclopedia Britannica, also badass of the week. So I try to get some good, good uh, sources here. Could I have made this like a two-hour long, probably hours long podcast? um no i don't have the patience and i don't get paid for this <laughs> but yeah i could have the material all the different stories they had it was nuts i just chose my favorite one and probably their most famous story at the battle of cameron so check them out i learned more about them because they're fascinating um on the blog i put the hour-long documentary how they the french foreign legion recruitment and just seeing these guys go from young guys maybe a little bit troubled past to turning into truly hardened disciplined men really cool and they all have famas rifles it's awesome so anyway i drone on thank you for listening who to thunkers until next time i uh, don't know what i'm gonna do next week um, maybe another military one but thanks for listening and tune in next week catch you later